that's kind of really all I'm getting. But hey, if the interest rates keep going up, then they're yeah. gonna stay out even long. Maybe yeah, they're gonna come I, back yeah. anytime soon. I saw some of our partners on the mountain out in Vale. They're out and they're all skiing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Good for them. Enjoy it. Yes. Welcome to the iBuyer Experiment. We have a smorgasbord to talk to you about today. We're going to talk about some interesting Google trends. We're also going to talk about interest rates and what the majority of mortgage holders across the U.S. are experiencing. We're going to kind of weave in some Gary Keller-isms from the Keller Williams family reunion. And we've also got some data on investor purchases and are home purchases so low because investors have pulled out. So a lot to talk about today, a lot going on in real estate. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, when you're talking about inventory, I know that earlier I was actually, I like kind of knowing national data. And that was one of the things I, I didn't, wasn't very clear on is like how many houses are listed across America on, on most cases. And I actually found that from uh, 22, January of 22 to January of uh, 23, it was, it was basic, it went from basically 370,000 in 22. All the way to three uh, six hundred and in twenty five, January of twenty three. So it, the market had a massive increase from an inventory level. Were you talking about three hundred thousand? Yeah, three hundred thousand per per what per the article, and that was National Association of Realtors. Huh. So typically, there's like about one point two eight million homes on the market. That's what it was trending, like essentially plus or minus. I need to look at that. I haven't. Yeah, that's because I, 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 and I found some conflicting data on that because, like I said, that was per National Association of Realtors because I thought it was, I was with you. I was like, all right, well, if a million houses, or excuse me, four, if four to six million houses are going, are going to sell. And then when I looked it up, it did say like 1.1. I saw, I saw that in all that number too. But maybe it was a, maybe it was a certain, maybe it was a certain type of property. And I, and I, and I missed that data point, that detail point. But I, anyways, regardless, I was shocked at, I, I you knew that there was massive increase, but the certainly doubling in a certain inventory level is is substantial. Huh. So I can't I can't really speak intelligently intelligently as to that because I didn't look at that data source. But there's no doubt that there's been a large cohort of purchasers that have kind of left the market. Yeah. What's going on with investor purchases, guys? Well, that that I did confirm <laughs> from a data point, <laughs> making sure that. That uh, investor purchases are down 50% uh, as of uh, Q4 and at the end of last year. So that's a, like that's that's a massive, massive exit, and especially since a lot of these large investors and institutional investors and the major metropolitans that they were focusing on were uh, accounting for almost 10% of the monthly production for, d- during the you know the the last couple year boom. Yeah, so I'm curious when you say the word investor or is it more specific these these large you know REITs and hedge funds or is it also include someone who just you know a one-off yeah absolutely include mom and pops too not not non-owner non-owner occupant acquisitions down 50 percent on that so what do you think that that's going to do to the marketplace. I mean, there's, like I said, there's a lot of agents. I mean, that they, they, they account for a ton of sales, right? They own what, 160 um, of the hundred and roughly 160 million homes across America. They they own a lot of them. 
it just depends on how how long they they stay out of the market. Yeah, because they can all come back in and in an instant, and bam, there goes the the market. It changes the market. I mean, they 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 act they can actually change the market's direction, which they they have, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, they do absolutely. Here, have. Here's another one of these these. Uh, it, I mean, this just came out a couple hours ago. Wall Street has purchased hundreds of thousands of single family homes since the Great Recession. Here's what that means for melon prices. And it also says that uh, institutional investors may control 40% of the U.S. single-family rental homes by 2030. I talked about that so in an fast. Instagram yeah, reel a few weeks ago. Yeah, because it's such a shocking number to think that like one in 11 homes could be owned by Wall Street by 2030. I personally think it's a stretch. I don't think it's I going think it's to stressed. get there. But what we only own like what? Of just a few percent right now. They own right? six hundred thousand, about six hundred thousand homes. Okay, they yeah. would have to have. They would have to, to get to that mark. They would have to have buy seven million more homes in the next seven. In the years. next seven, seven years. That's a million. That's a million, million, that's that's million that, homes that, a year. So they, they're going to account for twenty percent of the uh, of the productivity on the uh, of the annual acquisitions. Well, is, I don't see that. This is according to MetLife Investment Management. Wow, I wonder. A, I wonder what funds yeah, MetLife Investment Management is a part of. Yeah, I say we. What, what, is, what like, do they know that we don't? <laughs> Who are maybe, they hedged Maybe we in? should be making some phone calls. Not just that too, but that's a massive operation. A massive. undertaking. Now, and not that it's true, touche. Because not only do you have to acquire them, now you have to lease them out, manage them, prepare them, like everything that goes on with that. Like whoa. Oh, give me the challenge. I would love to take it. <laughs> so I think that the, the the funds have definitely pulled back, and we know that. And sure. I think something that we made a prediction earlier this year that they will come back, and we kind of believe it's going to be towards maybe end of second quarter, maybe third quarter. I mean, Keith, I know that you run point with a lot of our investor contacts. What's your sentiment about this? When the, what when are they the, saying, Keith? Yeah. Which, uh, or they, were they not saying? I'm just saying, <laughs> none of them know what's going on. I'm just, you know, hey, we're we're taking a step back from our operations to be more strategic. And that's kind of really all I'm getting. But, hey, if the interest rates keep going up, then they're yeah. going to stay out. Even long, maybe... Yeah, they're gonna come I, back I, anytime soon. I saw some of our partners on the mountain out in Vale. They're out and they're all skiing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Good for them. Enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy well, a lot the of times, but historical. Sometimes when the rates go up, sometimes the rent will become more in demand because now people won't buy. They'll go back to renting. Rents have decreased by and uh, large I know, all but they across have the it. U.S. They have it. Right. I knew that. That's what that's what I'm saying. Is it's not a typical trend. Is my point, which is that just I think it was a couple podcasts ago where we were talking about what is what is the trend and it's hard to define what normal trends are right now because everything just seems to be going against the grain. Yeah, wait, so wait. so rents declined in 11 major US cities. I'll I'll kind of read them off right now okay. because this is good content for my reel. So rents <laughs> declined in 11 major US metros. The 11th was Austin, Texas with a decrease of 0.4%. Seattle, Washington was number 10 with a decrease of a percent. Virginia Beach, Virginia was number nine with a decrease of 1.8%. Chicago, Illinois was number eight with a decrease of 3%. Birmingham, Alabama went down 3.4%. Wow. They were number seven. Baltimore, Maryland went down 4.6%. They were number six. Houston, Texas rents went down by 4.9%. They were number five. Minneapolis, Minnesota rents went down by 5.1%. They were number four. New Orleans, Louisiana was 5.2% decrease. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma was a decrease of 6.3%. They were number two. And the number one markets 
market where rents decreased was Phoenix, Arizona, huh. with a decrease of 6.7% in rents. Well, we've definitely, a lot of the funds that we work with, their offers definitely were even more extra conservative here compared to other marketplaces. Some of them are still dipped out. I mean, one of them, they won't, uh, and they're not currently uh, going to be purchasing properties for any more than 350000 I'm like, fine. Where are you going to find anything above so or under? They're waiting until they come down well, there, right? <laughs> but uh, Kayla, when we were at IMN, uh, is it earlier this year or last year, excuse me, uh, I, they were saying that they were projecting the rents to compound basically 10% up, right? And, and it was a split panel. But when you think about that, and I know that there was projections from that you know, previous uh, conferences where they were going to, you know, go up that eight to ten percent compounding on the turnovers. So a six percent de- decrease. I'm not saying that that's a small amount. What I am going to just be a, a layman here and point out is the amount that their rents increased in the last two to three years. It wasn't high. It was obnoxious, absolutely obnoxious. And so I don't know. I just I don't want to say it's unhealthy or or I just think it's a little bit of a bite back. Sure. So markets maybe just adjusted a little yeah. bit. Uh, definitely. So, uh, yeah, investor purchases are down. We can all feel it. They're going to come back when that's the big question mark. We're just mm-hmm. going to wait and see. I think, though, one thing that we hear a lot, and I want to kind of talk about this for a minute, is we'll hear agents talk about when they're bringing cash offers to their home seller, sure. they're worried that if the cash offer sure. is too low, it will have a negative impact on on them, on their brand equity or something. Yeah, on their on their. I don't want to tell them that their offer, value is an what agent, what they're bringing. What if they don't with that me? seller? Yeah, so let's unpack that. pissed. Yeah, let's unpack that. Did yeah. you guys hear that? So, yeah, well, we l- hear be, that. being transparent, there's a, a a lot of the members that, that we'll work with in some of the initial phases, whether it be a fund or a certain source that they've been working with, as they'll say, hey, well, how in line are some of these cash offers that you're bringing? Because I don't want to work with cash offers that are going to be insulting to my seller. It's it, it negatively affects my brand equity as an agent in my community. That's what the, That's what they're sharing. Well, of course, for, for us, that's an easy problem to solve because we have a pioneering product that allows them to not only give a, uh, a, you know, a market value cash offer initially, if that initial assessment is wrong, the house is resold on the open market and they get the difference if it was to sell for more. So we're able to completely remove that, that objection. With that said, it's just amazing to me, to be candid, that a lot of the people are making decisions for their clients versus bringing them the menu of options and truly saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, what is most important to you in this in this sale, right? Like part of, it's not always price. I mean, I mean that's always a, a factor, but sometimes it's timing, sometimes it's convenience, sometimes it's reconditioning the property, right? There's a lot, there's a lot of things to, to, to diagnose there, what's right. gonna be best for you and your client. Yeah. For sure. Hands down, you that's the for me, that's the only approach that you should be taking yep. with these home sellers. And for the agents that we talk with that have the most success, you know, within the Zudilio platform, regardless of what, you know, cash offers are being accepted, hands down, that's their mindset when I when I talk with them, right? They presented an opportunity for the home seller, you know, to have that unique and different conversation experience and hey if it doesn't work then you know then hopefully they get the listing out of it yep so it's coming from a place of curiosity 
and finding, uncovering what that home seller's motives truly are, and then giving them their options based on what's important to them. Yeah, they might not even have gotten into the conversation if they hadn't started with the cash offer. So <laughs> exactly, who it? exactly. Yeah, what a concept. <laughs> yeah, I I can understand how agents feel that way, especially in this highly competitive real estate landscape where everywhere you turn, someone's you know it's another realtor that you're up against to get that listing or get that buyer. But I also think it's a very low level mindset because it means that you are not skilled or adept at overcoming, you know, obstacles or objections and showing different options. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh, let's kind of segue over to some of the remarks that Gary Keller made at the the family reunion. Was it the family reunion? Yeah, family okay, reunion family just reunion. went on. Yep. Uh, well, so... he said chat GPT was shit. That's what he said. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. He didn't beep, say that. Beep. I, I was on <laughs> Hey, really? I was so, like, damn, that's bold. Uh, Gary Keller made some comments. Wonder if Microsoft feels that way. He made some comments about AI, and we were all kind of like, whoa, this is interesting. Keep in mind, Gary Keller is 66 years old, so he's a little bit older. Um, not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that maybe some of his viewpoints are reflective of the fact that he's a little bit older. And, and that he's he is at the helm of 200,000 agents that is a hands-on environment, not a tech environment, right? Which, don't get me wrong, I know they want to say that they are... Uh, they say they're a technology exactly, company first. But yeah. actions sometimes speak different. So what, what did Gary Keller say about ChatGPT? I told you that it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, no, he said that, uh, you know, the AI, AI tools might be really valuable and really cool and they do interesting things. He also said ChatGPT doesn't get it all right. Um, and he concluded that even if it sets everybody's hair on fire, it impacts or its impacts will likely be limited. Huh. I wonder what that means, though. Okay, so for, first, there's a couple things. So Made first, shit. first thing he said is that it doesn't get it all right, and that is absolutely correct. We we know that. In fact, before this podcast, um, Colby, our produce, producer here at Zidilio, he shared with us. He's like, hey, if you talk about ChatGPT or if you talk about the integration with with Bing, make sure you remind everybody that the data may not be correct. They could be sourcing from old articles or old information. So Gary Keller's first statement: it doesn't always get it right. True. But then the second kind of comment about how its impact will be limited. As, uh, as Noah pointed out, is that is that well, subjective? That's, that's to be determined. I mean, yeah, you, TBD. you really don't know what the, the impact is going to Well, and I think it's also up to the beholder, too, right? Like, I mean, like, this is where those queries that, like, one of the things I know I was talking about where everybody's looking at how are you using it, right? When you start using it to create images, build business plans, build scripts, build sales processes, build business operations, right? You can't tell me that that's not massively impactful. It's going to teach some people and uh, help them elevate their their ability to implement at a way faster scale for your action takers. Now, the overarching majority of people that are going to use it and using it to potentially write listing descriptions and, oh, it's going to be co copywritten and you're looking through it through that just little spectrum of what is possible. I mean, that's like saying a drop in the ocean is, or a bucket of water in the ocean is just, is, is not that impactful when the ocean is what's available, right? So it's just like, to me, it's, I think it's up to the beholder. So 
you think that its impact will not be limited. <laughs> so you disagree with Gary Keller? I, there's there's few people that 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 uh, Gary Keller is a is a brilliant in, brilli in his um his lifetime. Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant <laughs> mind. I've had the pleasure of, of being very close to him, you know, and and hear him speak and be mentored in in many ways. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind. I think. My read between the lines on that is there's 200,000 agents and and he's 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 crowd controlling with those types of statements. Yeah. So he's telling he's telling his agents, don't get don't get all crazy with this. Just do the basics, right? That's, yes. That's what he's saying. Yes. Pick up the phone. Yes. Yep. Make more phone calls. Pick up the phone. Pound the yeah, calls. Yeah. Don't stop right? working. Don't don't. Scrub it, the it, do it. not call registry first, though, so we don't have to <laughs> shell out another 40, 40 million. million. But make your phone calls. No, I, I don't know. I, I felt that it was, I thought it was an interesting uh, soundbite from him. And if I were him, I wouldn't want that out there in, in print. <laughs> I don't think it's going to age well. We'll see. Time will tell. T-B-D. Well, uh, let's, let's also, I, I have some Google trends that I felt were really interesting because there's hardly any inventory on the market. Even though it's increased year over year, we still know that we have less than a three-month supply of inventory. Yep. That's nationally, so some markets could even be less than that. So I did a little research on Google, and I looked up some of the Google trends. And for sell my house, that has decreased 25% year over year. Wow. So people aren't searching selling their home on Google. And homes for sale has also decreased by 22% year over year. But here is the interesting thing. This search phrase has skyrocketed on Google. It's up 1,350%. And the search phrase that people are Googling right now is, when will mortgage rates go down? Yep. That's wow. what people want to know. That makes know. sense. So 1,300% increase. And then they'll be increase. looking at selling my house. Wow. Yeah, there's this, because there's, it, it's uncertainty. So the, the, the interest rates were just at, I think they hit, the fives like a couple weeks ago, and I think they're about ready to hit the sevens. Yeah, today. knocking on the door seven yeah. again. Uh, the breaking news just uh, a couple of minutes ago: Dow dropped seven hundred points as high rates rattle investors. Wow! So wow! So the so, so, so the spring the spring selling season could have a little bit of a damper on it we'll yeah. because we'll of these high interest rates. So you're telling me the floor's going crazy right now? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I think so. Sounds like. It'll be interesting to see how the day ends and, and what it ends at. It'll be up 700 points and the <laughs> race will be at four. <laughs> I know. Right? That is, that's what we are in. It we're, is wild, man. We're in a market of the minute. We were talking before we podcasted. Wow. We were talking about how you can't get too hung up on what's happening in the moment. Yes, you need to be aware because you need to educate your buyers. You need to educate your sellers, but you can't really get too hung up on it. Yeah, there was a bunch of, a bunch of videos What. Two weeks ago, when people were, oh, see, see, the rates are going down. They're they're going to go down even further. I think there was an even article that um, someone said, oh, that the rates are and the rates are going to be at five point two within like a month. So, <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it's uncertain in all markets, even crypto, gold and silver. It's a roller coaster ride all all the way around. Do you still have Bitcoin? Yeah, I kept it because you know, I'm. I'm in it for the long haul now. <laughs> say, it, it, yeah, say, at this point, it, yeah. there's, just, there's no choice. It rides Wait, all the way to you, zero. What'd you buy it at? Do you remember? Um, it, six, a couple 60? different it, in as low as the high 40s and then as high as the six sixty thousand. So 
I'm running for the real long haul. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, you never know. It could be, be 200,000 in a year and a half. break even, I, I probably, you know, it's got to get back up to that 60K mark. So I still believe in it. I think it's long term. It's good. So, yeah, there's, there's not a whole, whole lot of inventory on the market. Sellers really aren't screaming to move. Buyers are kind of waiting to see. It's an interesting time. But there's no doubt, though, that if you're out there and you're prospecting for new business, if you can take home sellers, cash offers and other options, it's going to open that door for you. It's going to allow you to have more real estate conversations. And what else? What's our parting advice to well, the, our listeners? I think that, what about the there's one last little thing that we got to touch on, especially because it's so impactful here in, in like the Phoenix metro and a lot of areas where they have vacation home rentals. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I know that's kind of your, your, your territory, so I don't want to, I don't want to steal that thunder, but. Why no, no thunder, no thunder stolen. So one of the biggest things that, that I found interesting here in the, in the Phoenix Metro, right, is there was a lot of this, is this the Airbnb bust? Well, part of that data showed that, uh, the, it was like 90% of the homes that didn't rent were new, uh, to the ML or to the Airbnb platform within the last 90 days. So they are. You had a bunch of people that tried to jump in for Super Bowl week. Um, we had the waste management open here as well to try to jump in and grab that quick buck. So my 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 question for for us on this is is how many how do how often do we see that starting to happen? And like, with there's a major event where people are going to go move out of their house, stay with their brother, their mom, dad, whatever, and just rent out their house for the week to try to make a quick buck. And then now they're saying that that's more of the bus. But also the other part I wanted to talk about on this is how much of that inventory right now is also causing issues to our overarching inventory uh, as a whole where people are buying it and trying to do short-term rentals. There was a lot there. I know. Sorry. I think we can start at, (laughs) we can just start from what we know. And what we know is that from 2017 to 2023, short-term rentals quadrupled. We went from 5,000 to 21,000 here in the Phoenix metro. That's uh, nuts. That's according to AirDNA. So I think that you also referenced something that Airbnb brought up, and what Airbnb brought up is for the two weeks preceding the football yeah. and the waste management open uh, Super Bowl, 2,200 new listings came on the market. So that's excluded yep. from that uh, 21,000 so short-term okay. rental number. So it's kind of mutually exclusive. But what I think a lot of people think and I posted a reel about this and it went crazy. It got like 160,000 views on TikTok like instantly. And then it got like 150,000 on Instagram, which is very unusual for me. I do not get yeah, that many views, great on, views on my great, reels. Great numbers. And so I know that this struck a nerve with people. And I think it struck a nerve with people based on their comments. They're pissed. Like they feel like because so many people own these short-term rentals that that's keeping them from buying their home. And the really sad thing is, guys, is it's easier to go buy a short-term rental than it is to go buy a house, like to go buy a primary residence. Like it's so much easier to buy yep. a short-term rental because you can you can use one of those DSCR loans. Yeah, DSCR. And yep. you can, you know, base, basically get approved based on the income of the property, not your own income. So well, I think they'll it's even do DSCRs sad. up to 90% now too. If the, if, if the rent's getting like 110 to 115 what the payment's going to be, which most of your Airbnbs, as long as they can prove that in that in that uh, area, they only have to put ten percent down, and that's it. There's no there's no there's basically no no qual after that. Right. And the rates are pretty. They're like in the I think they're like in the sevens right now. Well, I hate to bust uh, burst their bubble on this um, 
a theory that uh, that's why they can't get a house because <laughs> it's, it's uh, what twenty twenty thousand Airbnbs that are out there. If all of those went on the market, that's only three 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 and a half months of inventory. It's not going to break the market. It's not going to you know lower the prices that much to where it uh, and and you know obviously that they're not all not all It'd twenty thousand yeah, are going to go on the market at the same yeah. time. So um, I don't really see, I think it's a nothing burger right there. But you you have to, I mean, just I, for me, I guess what was really eye-opening was just seeing like the hundreds and hundreds of comments from people that are truly angry. So like they're being, <laughs> well, a lot of them are angry by, about the, um, the, the fees, By the right? investor. The, the, yeah, the fees. The, I, I read a lot of the, the comments from it because it was <laughs> interesting. And um, a lot of them were saying like, you know, the, the cleaning fees are obnoxious. And then they also, you know, they, they have all these things you have to do before you move out of the, out yeah. of the Airbnb. You got to do the laundry. You got to, you know, do all the dishes, do all the dishes, put, put a plus thing play, away, cleaning feet, take all the trash yeah. out, roll out the trash cans for them and do all these different things. And they're saying, well, screw it. I'm just going to go do an, do a hotel. And then they have, you know, the taxes and the host fees and, you know, so it, there's just a ton of different fees and people are complaining about it. But obviously people use Airbnbs, right? Absolutely. I mean, they, 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 they're not all going coming down the market right now because people aren't renting them. So um, there are people that afford can't afford them and and pay the fees. So oh yeah, do? yeah, it's interesting time. Well, over half of them were still leased out during during that time here, right? I mean, so it's still it still had a massive demand. When you think about roughly thirteen thousand homes being rented out rented out by people. You know, and not only that, we all know that they massively premium priced them during that time too. So how many more would have been rented out if they would have just priced them accordingly? So there's, I mean, they're, they're, like you said, there, there, there's a lot there. I think that what I know is this: is people follow the money, and they're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. You know, and success is going to leave clues. They'll figure it out so that those that they can continue to make money, and whether they shift to those short term or or, or mid term. Which uh, were again in your markets where you're seasonal. So the story's still being told. I think that the consensus is we do not think that we're in an Airbnb bust. No, I, <laughs> I'm totally with Jay on it. It just makes more sense in a, so many scenarios to to like, especially like if the four of us are going to go and we're, you know stay in a hotel individually versus all staying in a house, more of an intimate setting. There's just again. All kinds of use case scenarios that an Airbnb makes. It's cheaper. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's cheaper. And like, I, I, we we took our kids to um, Huntington Beach what years ago, and we we had been doing Airbnbs, and we decided like, we're going to stay in a hotel. This it was one a time. terrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, finish it. Oh though, my gosh. Gonna... Yeah, just um, just just staying in a, in a hotel room and with two beds. You know, it's just uh, with two kids. It's very, boring. It's crowded. Rotating the showers. Like, yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, yep. Complaining. I mean, our kids are spoiled. Not anyways, only that, I hate to say one of my that. one of the things I hate about hotels now too is like when you park and for me and my army of kids and carrying all the they don't crap have, I got to carry like bus literally. <laughs> well, and, and not only that, I got to walk like a freaking half a mile to my dang room <laughs> with carrying all the crap. So there, there's all kinds of use case scenarios of why it makes more sense. Well. It's been a great episode, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us today. And make sure you like, comment, and ring that bell if you're on YouTube so that you get notified when we have new episodes.